today on CityCast Madison. The first school choice program in Wisconsin was created more than 30 years ago, and it's been fought over ever since. If you'd rather send your kid to a private school than your local public school, and you have a low income, the state will pay for it. What started out as an experimental pilot program now pays for more than 50,000 private school students. A new lawsuit by Monaco Brewing Company owner Kirk Bangstad claims it's flat out unconstitutional because it's depriving public schools of public money. Today, we talked to one of the lawyers behind the case, Brian Potts, a partner at Perkins Coie in Madison. It's Wednesday, October 18th. I'm Molly Stentz, and here's what Madison's talking about. Brian, hello. Hello, good morning. Good morning. So we're here to talk about your lawsuit against the school choice program. Why do you believe that it's unconstitutional? Well, there's a lot of reasons it's unconstitutional. And from a very big picture perspective, what's going on here, and I say this as fact because it's literally in the law, it's the way the laws have been written, But uh, what happened here is the legislature essentially used school choice as a a red herring to attack public school education. The way the statutes and laws are written, it's not even about school choice. It's about defunding public education. And that's really what our suit has narrowed in on. School financing is very complicated. But the only uh, result that could come out of the formulas that the legislature has created is basically defunding public education intentionally under the guise of providing school choice. And so that's really what we're focused on. Okay. And so this isn't the first time that the school choice program has been sued over. It's been around for decades. Courts have looked at this and, and you know, they've looked at the Milwaukee program and, and found it to be constitutional, right, 30 plus years ago. What, what's different now? Everything is different now. So when they looked at it originally in a case called Davis back in 1992, the Supreme Court looked at what at the time was called, and everyone agreed, an experimental program in Milwaukee. And the court went through in detail the parameters of that program and basically said, well, this has, and this is the court's word, an inconsequential effect on public education. The doctrine they were looking at under the Constitution is that public funds must be used for public purposes. The challengers at the time were saying, wait a minute, this isn't for public purposes. And the court looked at the details of the the program and said, well, given how small and inconsequential this is and that there's a uh, justification for it at the time, which was as an experiment to see whether private education might provide better educational resources to low-income families, that was the, the alleged purpose back then. And the court looked at all those things and said, under these circumstances, we will uphold the constitutionality of this program. Well, the circumstances have changed and not in a small way. They have changed really dramatically. 
So for example, the total cost of the program back then was two and a half million. It is now at about half a billion dollars with a B. The, the program has grown significantly in size, not surprising. But then there's also a lot of other details that have changed significantly. Back in the Milwaukee program, it was not predatory on the public school systems. It was not created as a cancer on the public school systems. The legislature has changed it over time such that back again in 1992, a voucher was worth $2,500 and the public school student was getting $7,000. Today, a voucher is worth somewhere between nine and 12000 or 13000 Meanwhile, the average public school student across the state gets $6,600 from the state. So right there, you can see that A, the state is spending more, significantly more per private school student or voucher student or independent charter student than they spend per public school student. So literally the state spends, you know, roughly twice as much to send a kid to private school than it does to public school. But more importantly, what happens is they actually deduct that full amount from the public school pool of money. So let me give an exact example. Yes, let's talk about Madison and what it looks like for Madison schools. I couldn't imagine a, a system being created that would be worse for Madison public schools than what the legislature has done here. Uh, Madison is particularly impacted by this program. And let me give you a concrete example. If a student in Madison decides to go to an independent charter school, from a public school or just was at an independent charter school and became eligible for funding, either one of those situations occurs immediately in last year. And I'll use last year's numbers. The numbers have gone up. $9,264 is taken away from the Madison School District's state aid allocation. So that's how much it costs. The Madison School District comes out of their funds $9,264. Meanwhile, and I'll give you the exact number, the state gives Madison $1,636 per student. So what that means is every time an independent charter student goes to school that lives in Madison, it takes away the state funding for five public education students, five students in the regular school district. And now when you say state aid, that's all you're talking about. You're not talking about... I'm only about talking about the state aid. I'm not talking about... Local property taxes. Local property taxes. I'm only talking about the state aid. Now, the other thing the legislature has done that we are challenging is unconstitutional, which honestly, uh, I think is a... Personally think is a much bigger deal for public education than even the voucher charter schools. So the voucher and charter schools are terrible for public education. And it has nothing to do with those schools. It has everything to do with the funding mechanisms that the legislature has put in place. Again, I, my, my view, the only, the only reasonable conclusion from looking at what the legislature has done here is that they aren't trying to encourage kids to go to private schools. They are trying to defund state aid to local uh, school districts by using the voucher and charter program. But the biggest issue isn't even that. It's that the legislature has capped, it's called the revenue limit, how much money 
local school districts can't even raise for their own students right. to go to school. So the legislature has said, Madison, you're not allowed to spend roughly more than $12,000 per student in Madison, even if you want to, even if everyone in that local school district who elects those local school district representatives wants to spend more money on their own education, the state has said you can't do that. And that is actually, I think, a bigger deal. Without going to referendum, right? Which is why you see these ridiculous referendums on your ballot. Uh, and there's, I don't remember, dozens of school districts having to do these referendums every year. Many of which pass, Many including which here in pass, Madison. Sure. But it's unconstitutional for the state legislature to tell a local school district that they can't raise money for their own schools. And the reason is it goes back to a... Supreme Court case in 1970s called Busey. And Busey, the Supreme Court specifically said that local school districts have a constitutional right, meaning above the legislature, they have their own independent right to decide what education to provide and to raise revenue from local property taxes. And so when that revenue limit was put in place, it explicitly violated Busey, but we had a court and a legislature that didn't care. I'm still stuck on this funding and why the state would allocate several times more to a private school than a public school, like in the case of Madison. Do you know how that's determined? Why wouldn't it just be the same amount of money? Yes, I do know how it's determined. So the the school finance formulas are complicated. They take into account, which is an understatement. Yes. <laughs> the state allocation to local school districts really takes into account two things. One, the property values. So higher property values. Madison has higher property values. Right. Therefore, it gets less money from the state per pupil because the idea is that the local school district has more property value to be able to raise more money. To tax. Right. Yeah. So tax. you would think we would be better off because we're a, a smaller percent of our overall school funding is coming from the state, right? Yeah. The problem is if you look statewide, well, you might ask, is this funding discrepancy only happening in places like Madison where property values are high, so they're getting less money from the state? And the answer to that is no. It's happening even in Racine, even across the state. There are less than 10,000 out of over 800,000 students, public school students in Wisconsin, who get more than an independent charter school from the state. So less than 10,000 across the whole state. There are 800,000 students, roughly 850,000 public school students. Less than 10,000 of those get the same or more money from the state as every independent charter student and every voucher student. The Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty has kind of challenged you on this in particular, the amount of money. They say that the average voucher amount is much less. Uh, I mean, the average voucher amount is still over $8,000. There's no, the way the formulas are written, it is almost impossible for a public school student to get allocated the same amount, even the same amount of money as a charter or a voucher student. 
what they are saying and what they like to do is they compare apples and oranges. They say, oh, well, in Madison, a stu- an independent charter student is only getting 9264 but a Madison student might get ten or 11000 total. But that, of course, includes all the local property tax money that the local folks are paying. Meanwhile, they're actually getting 1600 from the state. So what does that tell you? That tells you local Madison property tax owners are, A, having to pay more for charter school students than you know they should, certainly, and they're having to make up more <laughs> for their public school students because every time an independent charter school student in Madison goes away, five, five kids' public school funding goes away. So then that has to be made made up with local property taxes. Of course, then there's that rascal, the revenue limit that they put in. So they're they're basically pinned or capped the amount that Madison can raise for its public school students. And then they're defunding the state aid that comes to Madison using the charter school system and the voucher school system. So why do you not see a legislative fix if this is a legislative problem? I mean, to be clear, our lawsuit is not saying we're not making the blanket assertion that the state cannot fund voucher and charter schools. What we're saying is, again, the legislature created this system to attack public schools, not to actually promote voucher schools or even give them equal ground. For example, and again, this is my own personal belief, not necessarily the belief of the plaintiffs, but you, one could easily create a system by which voucher and charter schools are funded without being parasitic on the public school funding. For example, if you have proof that someone in Madison who was in the public schools went to a charter school before, then you would take away the state allocation for that student, which is $1,600. And then that could go to a voucher uh, or charter school. But that would only apply if the student actually left the public school system and went to an independent charter voucher school. What actually happens, of course, is something like, you know, well in excess of 50%. Some people have said 90% of these students never went to public school, never wanted to go to public school. So if they didn't come out of the public school system, there should be no subtraction from the public school funds. And if they did come out of the public school system, the most that should ever be subtracted is the state allocation per student. Instead, basically, the legislature said, we want to fund all these schools and we're going to do it on the back of public school kids. And that's really what is the problem here. So could the legislature write a law that didn't do that? A thousand percent. Yes. Will they? Guessing no. And so... You know, the court's job isn't to write the law. The court's job is to look at what is on the books and decide, is this allowable under the Constitution? We think the current law is not allowable, even remotely close to allowable under the Constitution. And so if the court were to strike it down, then the legislature would have the opportunity to fix it in accordance with whatever the court decides. So what do you hope comes out of this lawsuit? The plaintiffs want the voucher system, the independent charter system, and the revenue limit struck down, completely gone 
from the law. The way they're written now, it is a doing irreparable harm to our public school system every year. And if you don't believe me, look at any local school budget. Uh, almost all of them are complaining about not having sufficient funding for their own students. Um, and a lot of them, and we cite them in the complaint, point directly to this program as the problem. Racine, their local school budget says it. Madison, local school budget says it. The school districts know this, and they know they've been getting hit over the head with it. I mean, if you think about it logically, there's basically two types of kids who are getting funded by voucher and charter schools. The ones that were going to public school and actually chose to go to private or voucher schools. And then a whole bunch who just were at the voucher charter school and wanted to get funding and they applied for funding. Those latter group is literally just pulling money out of the public school system entirely with no commensurate benefit to the public school system because they were never in public schools and aren't going to be in public schools, right? So you can see there's no way the public school system wins in either scenario. Though those folks are still local taxpayers and their property taxes are still going to the school district. That's true. Yeah. But then local property taxes are paying to send kids to private schools, oftentimes in other districts, which is also another constitutional problem that we've pointed out. The courts have said for many, many, many years, a local property tax cannot be used for state purposes or for non-local purposes. And the way the funding mechanisms are structured here, that's exactly what's happening. Madison isn't just paying for Madison students to go to charter schools. They're paying for students across the state to go to charter schools because of the way the funding scheme has been set up. Uh, the pool of money that is allocated every year is impacted by how many charter students go in a district. Right. And so effectively, Madison property tax owners are being asked to subsidize statewide the voucher program and the independent charter program, and the courts have already struck that down. So you want to see wholesale changes to the way the law is written? Yeah. I mean, we are asking the court to strike down all of these laws that I've mentioned. By my rough estimate, I think that would immediately release somewhere between a half a billion and a billion dollars for public education in Wisconsin without any additional changes of the law by the legislature or anybody else. Why petition the Supreme Court directly? There's two reasons. One, we meet, meet the criteria. So the criteria for petitioning the Supreme Court directly is it's a matter of statewide concern and there are no factual disputes. So we meet the criteria, number one. Number two, if we file in the circuit court, it will add a year or two, and there's irreparable harm being done to our public school system right now by these predatory laws. You know, you can only go to fifth grade once. We need to go straight to the Supreme Court in order to give the court time to look at the issues, which will take, you know, six to nine months minimum, and make a decision. But our petition asks them to strike these illegal programs down before this end of this school year so that it could be implemented, the funding could be uh, changed for next school year. You're looking for a fast decision. The wheels of justice move slowly. A fast decision is a year, yes. but uh, And that, it has nothing to do with the constitution of the court. 
because the, uh, well, the programs have been here for years, as you mentioned. Well, it's been progressively getting worse and worse. So uh, and actually this year in particular, the numbers are incredibly striking, which we didn't even have before we filed our petition. But the 2023 numbers have exacerbated this problem even more. The irony is that the revenue limit that the legislature has set for local school districts to raise money. So they've said, you can't spend more than about 12,000 per pupil. Meanwhile, they just approved charter payments that are more than the revenue limit. So they're saying it's okay to pay more to send kids to charter schools and voucher schools, but we're not gonna even let you raise enough money for your public schools to have the same equivalent dollars per pupil. Well, Brian Potts, thank you so much for this deep dive into school funding. Sorry, it's so complicated. I didn't write the laws. (laughs) I didn't either, but we're here trying to explain them. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Brian Potts is a partner at Perkins Coie in Madison. If you want to check out the lawsuit for yourself, we'll throw a link in our show notes. And here's what else Madison's talking about. Raises. Some state employees will get pay raises next year. That's what lawmakers at the state capitol approved on Tuesday. Lawmakers agreed to give state employees a 6% raise over the next two years. Except this doesn't apply to anyone who works for the UW, which is about half of all state employees, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss has said the UW won't, quote, get another nickel until it cuts its diversity programs and offices. Meanwhile, the UW system, now called the Universities of Wisconsin, announced they're officially closing their campus in Richland Center. They already stopped teaching classes there this summer. UW President Jay Rothman also said in-person classes at UW campuses in Washington County and Fond du Lac will end next year. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Molly Stentz. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell your favorite teacher about us? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Ciao.